Hello friends! It's your old pal Ariel Hawani back with another edition of DC and Hawani. And as always, a lot going on in the world of MMA. How about Yuri Prochaska? What a fight. As exciting as it gets. Also exciting, NBA season. It's about to wrap up. It's uh, it's coming to an end. Playoffs right around the corner. The New York Knicks are on fire. Absolutely in fuego. Anyway, anytime I want to hear anything about the NBA, I tune in to the Hoop Collective podcast hosted by the one and only Brian Windhorst. He keeps me up to date. Great guests, great panels, great discussions. Check it out. Download and follow wherever you get your podcasts. Also, want to let you know that ESPN Films' latest documentary, 144, executive produced by ESPN Radio and First Take Her Take podcast host, as well as current WNBA player Cheney Agumake, takes viewers inside the WNBA's unprecedented 2020 season. Four months after the WNBA postponed its season due to the coronavirus pandemic, the league set out to play a condensed season entirely in a bubble where 144 players across 12 teams not only came together to play basketball, but also dedicate their season to social justice. 144 will premiere May 13th and 9 p.m. Eastern Time on ESPN. The film will then be available on ESPN+. Check it out. All right, on to today's show. And as always, listener discretion is advised. Enjoy. Now making their way to the microphone. DC and Helwani. And so, also, I was about to say something else. I'm sorry. Just yeah, I don't know what like, happened there. What I, happened? I, I was like, hey, I short-circuited. I like, Are like, you done or not? One of those spice peppers went into my throat uh, as I was finishing my thought. Here's Daniel Cormier and Ariel Helwani. Back in your life on this first week of May 2021. Hello again, everyone. Welcome back to a brand new edition of DC and Helwani. That's DC. Daniel Cormier, I'm Helwani, Ariel Helwani, and I have to say I've known DC for I think about 11 to 12 years. 11 years, 11 years at least, at least 12 years, 12 years, yeah. We just we had did an interview fight. in 2009, you know, in the Apple store, you know, it's very well documented. Mm-hmm. It's one of our favorite um, stories to tell. Yes. Well, we just had yeah. our first fight. I just want to let the world know we just had our first fight. Uh, we are currently fighting. About it, what? You know, you'd be sleeping on the couch if we were, you know. <laughs> wait, wait. I don't even understand. Like, you're really, you, hey, you're acting really weird right now because I don't even know we're involved in a fight. These are the facts as I know them. Uh, last night, your Rockets just oh. laid an absolute stinker. Oh, I mean, goodness. it was embarrassing. I think my New York Urban Professionals Basketball League could play better than this oh. team. I mean, it was just, <laughs> I'd be hitting threes in the corner. Uh, you know, from Christian Wood. I mean, oh, it was just embarrassing. And I just, you know, felt I was feeling myself. And this so is I said, bad. This is, I, that was bad. It was horrible, but it was it great. Was bad. It was bad. And it was bad that you did what you did. No, not at all. Because it was you would bad that you did what but you did. But then you take things up a notch and you tag my yes. childhood idol, yes, I Thurman did. Thomas. Yes, who, by I the did. way, I've tagged in multiple posts over the past year change, never acknowledges me, never likes my tweets, never retweets. And then you tag slandering my name. And he then likes, I wake up to a like tweet from Thurman Thomas. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that is messed. That is also a text message, a text message. What? A subsequent text? text? Also a text message from your text buddies with Thurman. Hey, listen, not only was there a like, there was a text message in regard to your behavior because Thurman said, I understand how much he loves the Bills, but Daniel, it's very off-putting for him Stop. to behave in this manner. Stop Listen, it. I'm telling you right now, Thurman That's Thomas it. told me. Thurman Thomas told me. I want to see it. And I believe that Show Ariel is not acting as if he's been here before. I said, I know, man, it's sad. It's sad. But you know what? I said one mission. I still run. I roll with the Rockets. You know, we're 14 and 47 right now, and we seem to be in the driver's seat in the K Cunningham sweepstakes. It'll be one Sad. year before we're back where we need to be. But by the way, you Thurman got to Uncle. Listen, Uncle Thurman said to act as if you've been there before, Helwani. You He's got the Oklahoma State running backs mixed up. You know that, right? Barry Sanders. So I know is Barry the one. Sanders wouldn't celebrate, but Thurman wouldn't go crazy. Mm. Thurman wouldn't go crazy. Let's not act like Thurman Thomas was out there dancing like Icky Woods. Thurman wasn't doing the Icky Shelf or nothing not. like that. He was not. Let's that act was... like Thurman. Thurman carried. Why can't you be happy for me as a friend? I'm happy. And, and hey, someone listen, who has I'm never happy. experienced any kind of success 
Why can't you, as far as my fan, my, my, my fandom is concerned, why can't you be happy for me? Why can't you I'm jump on the bandwagon? I'm happy for you. I got a cousin named Craig. Oh, I love for Craig. for some reason talked about the Knicks were going to be good. And he just was so sure. He was like you. He never gave up on the Knicks. So I'm happy for you guys. But just because you are having success does not mean you need to push the other guy down to elevate yourself. Hey, we're trying over here. We were left with a very difficult situation in Houston. You know that. We were we went from having Russell Westbrook and James Harden. Yeah, James got out of town. To now, it's just Christian Wood because because John Wall got shut down. I mean, come on, Ariel, y'all you know, picking you, on us at this point. You know what you remind me of? You remind me of a lumpy rug. I mean, no one likes to be around a lumpy rug, right? I mean, it's what do you all mean, that's what, what you mean? are. You're a lumpy rug, and it's fitting because today <laughs> is National Lumpy Rug Day. I mean. <laughs> Who would celebrate such a thing? I mean, honestly, let me tell you something. In, in the past year of us doing this, there have never been this many wacky holidays on a particular day. <laughs> National Lumpy Rug Day. National Garden Meditation Day. I mean, what are you supposed to do? Go in the back. I mean, Go I guess you- in the backyard and meditate? Yo, check this one out. National Two Different Colored Shoes Days. <laughs> shoes Day. What? Are you supposed to wear two different color shoes? Who does that? What kind of kid does that? <laughs> National Chocolate Custard Day. National Raspberry Popover Day. I don't even know. Is that like a tart? What is that? What is that? Like a pop tart? I like this one. National Textiles Day. My dad, uh, you know, that's what he did for a living. Textiles. That so that's clothes. Yeah, clothes. You don't know what textiles is? What's wrong with you? <laughs> Textile. This is a very, very, very important one today. All jokes aside, World Press Freedom Day. I don't I don't pretend that I'm some, you know, serious journalist who goes out there to tell the truth about all the bad people in the world. But there, no, no, about (laughs) but there's a lot of people out there. And you know what's crazy in I'm not going to name them all, but there's like 85 Labor Days today all over the world. (laughs) Apparently, May 3rd is Labor Day in many parts of the country or no, not the country, the world. All over the world, Labor Day, Labor Day, Labor Day. I mean, it's everywhere. <laughs> Spring Festival in Egypt. I mean, May, dare I say May 3rd is lit. May 3rd is lit on the calendar. I don't know what's going on here. We got Cinco de Mayo coming up. We got May the 4th be with you tomorrow. We got, you know, National Orange Juice like Day that? tomorrow. But when May 4th is, like May 3rd lit. is lit. Yes. When you say stuff like lit, and what was the other one? You say what like the kids say? No cap, no cap. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you something. I looked at this list you and I was like, cap, like yeah. the kids say, hey, bro, like we were asking Daniel, like, Daniel, is that cap or no cap? Because I don't know the difference. I can't really tell, you know, I'm an old man. You know, well, let me th- I noticed yesterday mm. how old I am. Right. Because I was sitting at my table and I had I was going to eat ice cream. I haven't had ice cream for a little bit. And I chose orange. Uh, what is the orange? Sherbet. I'm sitting there eating. <laughs> That is old man. That is an old man choice right there. You and that hat sitting on the porch. Old baby eating orange sherbet. I'm like, dang. It's like, boy, the orange sherbet was this. That was it whenever I was young, you know. I'm sitting there eating orange sherbet, man. It was bad. I I really had to check myself. Like, Daniel, you are steering way too much into this old man. uh, Getting all sweaty. Let me tell you who's not old. Let me tell you who's not old. Let me tell you who's a spry 28 years old. The pride of the Czech Republic, Yiri Prochaska. Let's give this man his due. What a win on Saturday. Oh, my gosh. By the way, what a fight. That first round, I mean, relentless pace. Him and Dominic Reyes, back and forth, back and forth. I mean, just balls to the wall. We'll be talking about that first round. You're right there. What's going on? I'm trying to calm down from like those holidays and all of a sudden, like you, like, come on, man. And then the spinning back elbow, just the third in (laughs) UFC history. The guy's got the hair. He's got the look. He's got the fighting style. He's got the winning streak, 12 in a row, uh, 2-0 in the UFC. This man is on fire. And DC, I'm here to say he should not fight anyone else. He should fight for the belt next. He should fight the winner of Glover Teixeira. Versus uh, versus Jan Bachovic in September. He should fight the winner of that fight. You can't you can't mess this up, right? This guy is special. You know when I watch Yuri Prohashka, because I was saying his name all wrong the whole time. Yuri Prohashka, I could not believe what I was watching because I watched him fight Vulcan, right? Mm-hmm. And I watched him just kind of chase Vulcan down the whole time until eventually he landed that right hand that knocked him out. 
I mean, I think I got this like long hair that's like right uh, in my like my sight or something. But talk about getting old. I mean, talk about getting when you start growing hair up here hair, on your like, face. Yeah, I know. I it's you. bad. In the it's ear. really bad. In your yeah. ear. Oh. That doesn't happen to everybody, though. You oh. know that. I've told you that before, but I'm sorry. You're <laughs> Prohoshka. You know that only white men ears keep growing. Like mine won't keep growing. Like yours will be like this big, but like <laughs> black men's ear, our ears stop growing. Yours will just keep growing. So yours will be like this big, right? Like as you get like 70, I'm telling you, when you're in the airport, that. look at look at an older white gentleman and look at an older black gentleman. You'll see the difference in the ear size. But I back know. to your Prohoshka. I'm sorry. I get, I get off to the guy. As I said in my tweet on, on Saturday, once he gets rolling, it's so hard to deal with that type of pressure and willingness to fight. I know everybody's in there fighting, but not everybody's willing to just take punches, willing to just throw caution to the wind with technique. He's not just throwing anything, right? He's doing things with a purpose, even though he's doing them in a bit of a reckless way. I think the guy's... I think he's special because he wasn't even tired. Most times when you set that pace in round one, the second round starts a little bit slower. And as the fight progresses, it slows down more and more and more. Yuri didn't slow down. And I got to be honest with you, watching Dominic Reyes after round one, it felt like it was only a matter of time before Yuri got to him. Because every time Dom landed those nice counter right hands and left hands, dude wouldn't even blink. He would just continue down the path and, He's an avalanche, man. He's an avalanche going downhill, and there is nothing that is going to stop him unless you can knock him out. And I don't know who can do that outside of maybe the champion, Jan Bohovic. Well, let me ask you this, because it does feel like I, I even said this after the Vulcan fight. His style is so unorthodox. He is a little reckless. He does get hit a lot. Can this style last? Like once you start fighting the upper, upper echelon and maybe light heavyweight is the division where it could last because, you know, there's no John Jones there anymore. There's no super duper star out there knocking people out, even though Jan is on quite the role. It feels like you're going to get tagged big time. You know, like these well, punches are going to add up. No, but these punches are all the time. Get, right. I mean, is it, it's a crazy thing to say, it, you know, for a guy that's won 12 in a row, but like, should he try not to get hit as much? Well, I mean, the chin, right? Eventually, the chin can only take so much damage. Right. Right. You can only take so many shots. Right now, <clears throat> obviously, he's not at that point because he walks through punches from guys like Dominic Reyes, who you know hits unbelievably hard. Look at what right. he did to Chris Weidman. Look at what he did to so many guys on his run-up to becoming a title challenger. So Prohachka has a very – he's very durable – but every time you get hit as an athlete, every time you get hit as a, as a fighter, there's always like something coming out of the bank. And he keeps getting hit like that with four-ounce gloves. It, it'll make it hard to sustain that over a long period of time. But in the meantime, yes, in terms of short term, I don't know how you stop this dude without putting him on his back and keeping him there. I think you got to take this dude down in order to slow him down because he can take a shot and boy, he's got some really dynamic offense. So we know that Jan and Glover are fighting September 4th because of that style, because of how funny is because he's got some momentum. And again, the winning streak, do you agree with my stance that they should save him now for the winner? Like it's very rare that you go two and zero in the UFC and get a title shot, but let's be honest, yeah, light heavyweight is fought. wide open. But yeah. He's he fought. fought, right? Like he's not like he's fought. But normally at 2-0, and and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about Hamzat, right? This is the last guy that we've seen that's had this type of hype coming into the UFC. But Hamzat fought two dudes, I can't even remember their names, mm -hmm. and Gerald Mearshart. John right? Phillips, Reese McKee. Phillips and Reese, Reese McKee, right? He fought those two young guys, and he fought Gerald Mearshart, who's yeah. a guy that has been around for a while but has never been, you can't mistake him for a top 10 guy. Because he's never been there. This dude, Yuri, has fought Volkan Ozdemir, who was probably like six at the time, and had fought for the UFC championship. Knocked him and out. He fought Dominic Reyes, who had fought for the UFC championship and was ranked number three in the world. So it's not like he has taken a slow approach to making his way into the title picture. He really came in here, took his opportunities and grasped them, and he should be fighting for the belt. So here's the thing. Spoke to his team briefly. Obviously, they're pumped. 
But if you actually look at it, like if that title fight goes down in September, there's no way. I mean, unless something crazy happens and it's a January-ish time, right? Does this this guy want to wait till January, February? And and they said he probably doesn't. The guy that he's wanted to fight for quite some time is Alexander Rakic, who's a tough out, who's coming off a fight that kind of left people ho-humming, but would certainly deserve to be in that conversation with Yuri. Mm -hmm. Do you risk it? Against a tough I, I, guy like Rakic, or do you just keep him on the sidelines and, and, and wait for the title fight? I think if you're Prohachka and you want to fight, right, you do Rakic because then there is no question as to whether or not you're getting the title fight. If you can get through him. I think he's getting it regardless of if he fights Yes, again. but still, but there is no question, and you, don't, you, you get to fight, right? This is a young guy that wants to fight. He's active. He wants to keep going. He could have. He said that he could have been in the UFC before. He took his time getting here. Mm-hmm. So now that he's here... Why not take full advantage of it? But you got options. You can either have those two fight right now or you have Prohachka just go as the alternate, especially with Glover being the age that he is. You know what I'm saying? Maybe one of the guys don't make the fight. So you kind of train alongside those guys in the title fight. And if somebody falls out, then you step right in there. Because what you don't want is to wait. Right. right. But you don't want us to just be sitting on the sideline as the next guy. And then they call you and say, hey, we got an opportunity for you in five weeks. Perfect world. That light heavyweight title fight is happening next week or something. And then yep. you just keep him. What I would love. I, I want to see more of this guy. He's so much fun. I mean, yeah. I got to be honest. This main card starting at 10 p.m. I was having flashbacks of the old days. You know, it's 1230 and I'm trying to stay up and watch these fights because let's be honest, the card at times was a little bit slow. This guy comes and he's like a jolt of adrenaline. He is so everything about him, the look, the style, the dancing. I mean, everything is just tremendous. I wouldn't hate if they put, look, if you can't beat Alexander Rakic, you shouldn't be fighting for the title anyway. So maybe they put them on that card as a potential backup, but also as a number one contender fight. The only other option would be Anthony Smith, who just won. I think that would be a fun fight as well. No, you don't like that? I do. It's, It's a fun fight. But I believe for Anthony Smith, as he has gotten Tough. back to rolling a little yeah. bit, right? His momentum starting to come back. But once again, he fought Jones. He lost to uh, the other kid um, that you just named, Rockage. Oh, Rakic, yeah. yeah. He lost to Rockage, and then he lost to Glover, right? So he's fighting the best of the best. Now we're talking about Anthony with the momentum coming back. But he has kind of taken a step back in competition. Mm-hmm. We always talked about not getting two enough fights in the UFC. Well, he fought Devin Clark and he fought Jimmy Crute. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, sure, this makes introduction back to the highest of levels. But I believe that Anthony could use another one of those fights where he just gets his confidence back um, and work his way back slowly towards getting back in the championship picture. By the way, you know who's the last person to beat Yuri Prochaska? You don't know. No idea. The, what a run. Can I, be guy, with you? Can I be honest with you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't know who Yuri Prohoshka was yeah, until well, Saturday just, night. Like, I mean, get out of here. He beat Vulcan. You're I, had, I, I mean, I saw I saw the highlight, were and I was there? like, oh, that's that dude. You, wait, you were there when he beat Vulcan. No, you, I wasn't. That was yeah, on you, Fight Island. You didn't go to Fight Island the first time? UFC No, I didn't go to the first. Remember, I was fighting at 252. Oh, that's right. Okay. So, like, bad. this dude, I didn't know who Yuri was. I, <laughs> I, I saw a guy knock out Vulcan Ozdemir. I just yeah. didn't know who it was. And then when I was watching the fights on Saturday, I saw the re- I was like, oh, it's this dude. I thought this dude, Yuri Prohashka, had fought like three, four times in the UFC. And then they started saying he only fought two times. I was like, wow. He hasn't fought since he beat up on Vulcan last year, last summer. Yeah. Like, wow, this dude's the real deal. Well, they were supposed to fight in February, and then the, the fight got postponed. But, like, his run of 12 fights, KO, 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 TKO, 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 KO, TKO, TKO. Last decision was back in 2016. He's the rising light heavyweight champion. And then he had another one. The last time he lost, DC, December of 2015. I believe you know this man who beat him, King Mohamed Lawal. Oh, Mo beat him. Wow. And then he and then he beat Mo uh, in a rematch in 2019. He also has a win, by the way, over Vadim Nemkov, who's the Bellator light heavyweight champion. Oh, I, I, that's the guy. That's the mm. guy that Mo lost to last fight. That was Mo's yep. last fight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, now it's all coming together. <laughs> See, now it's all making sense. I'm like, OK, it all makes sense. But I know who he is now. I mean, I know who he is now. Look, man, 
when you're when you are watching as much as we doing this stuff, it's hard. There's 500 guys on the roster now. Yeah, that's why I. That's why I'm so. You're not staying up till 3 a.m. to watch Rise. That's why I'm so proud of you, that you can just know all these people. Well, thank you. Very you nice. know, that's why you're so good at your job. Oh. You, you, you're good at your job. You, you're really good at your job because for you to know all these dudes, crazy. I know them when I'm watching them. Let's talk about Dominic Reyes here for a quick second as mm. we're glowing over uh, Yuri. My heart breaks for this man. DC, I thought he beat, you know, people got mad at me for saying that on Saturday, in my opinion. And I think we must have forgotten a little bit. Like, I thought he beat John Jones three rounds to two. And think about how life changes, right? You're the first guy to beat John Jones. You're the light heavyweight champion. Your confidence is riding high. Instead, you lose a razor thin decision. You're you're in your feelings. You're down. You got to get back up to fight Jan Bohovic. You get knocked out in your chance to right that wrong. And now you're staring at a three-fight losing streak and you've gotten knocked out brutally in your last two fights. Man, what a turn of events for this guy who's still young, but sheesh, that Jones fight now looms large. I had this conversation the other day with one of my buddies and he was saying that there's a lot of times that luck comes into play in this thing, Mm -hmm. right? You lose to Jones in the way that Dominic lost. Something's taken away from you that, that, invincibility that comes with being undefeated, right? Regardless of if you thought you won, that, that, that O is gone now. So that level of invincibility is gone. You go into the, the, the Jan Bohovic fight, still believing I'm the man. Mm-hmm. And then that happens. Now you start to question everything, right? So it's a matter of what's next. And I, I always talk about, and I relate this to the situation with us, right? I lost to Jones, was now not undefeated anymore was going to go fight Ryan Bader. Had I not, had I lost to Ryan Bader, my whole career would have been different. But instead, you're fighting for the championship again. That's easy to get motivated for. It's a lot of luck, and a lot of things have to go in the right way. But for Dominic Reyes, he went from top of the world to now, every time he goes in there, man, it's going to be a question. Like, wow. like, And also, when you're a guy, like a football player, Right, that which which is what he did all his life. He wrestled too, but when you're a football player and you are so used to kind of running through people, and now you've been equaled and exceeded on multiple occasions back to back, those questions are going to be hard to kind of deal with because not only has he been beat, the Jan fight was bad for him to do that the, the chicken dance and then fall down and get finished bad. But what happened the other day? When you get slumped over like that and you're face down on the Scary, ground, yeah, that stays with you. So um I don't know what I don't know what I don't know what comes of this dude. I, I think he needs to take a break, take some mm-hmm. time, some real time. I know January to to, to April is a while, but I, I would no, not, not January, would, September. September I'm sorry, yeah, September to yeah. April is a while. Um but I wouldn't be mad if Dominic Reyes is gone for about 12 months. Yeah, to try rest to figure of the year. out and like really reset, get away from this thing, train and have fun, but not really train with the idea of I got to get back to the belt. I got to get back to the belt because that's what people do when you lose. Right. It's like everything you do on every single day is how do I get back to the belt? And I think when you can let go of that, you can really start to enjoy the process again, enjoy the journey of fighting. And then once you enjoy the journey of fighting, then you can start to win fights again like Anthony Smith and then hopefully get on a run back to the belt. Anthony said it himself. He goes, when I let go of the championship, I started to get better mm-hmm. at fighting. And he said, today I'm better than I was before because now um, I, I was able to just learn free, free of that title aspiration. One thing is for certain, he needs to take a step back in competition whenever he comes back. I mean, he's But fought. how, right? Like we talked about this, like every, not everybody gets what Anthony got, right, but right, a Devin, right. Devin, Devin, Smith. Devin Clark, Devin, Devin Clark. Clark, Devin Clark. And I think Devin Clark was last minute. He was supposed mm-hmm. to fight somebody else before he ended up fighting Devin Clark. So, uh, and God, I'm not disrespecting Devin, but there's like a top four or five guys yeah. and then there's everybody else you know well speaking of the top four or five Yuri's in that mix it's going to be interesting to see if he decides to keep fighting or wait for the winner but all of a sudden there's some action some activity at 205 you got some fresh and then the blood. Champ called him out 
When you yeah. get the champ call and you well, are, that would be a big a deal. Thing. Poland, Czech Republic, their their neighboring countries would be a ma- that fight. If it happens, if he if if Jan beats Glover, that fight would be massive in Eastern slash Central Europe. They got to figure like that fight can't be happening in Texas. You know what I'm saying? Like no. it can't be happening in Florida. It has to happen over there. It would be a very big deal. Uh, Giga Chikatsi of the Republic of Georgia with a big win over Cub Swanson. Vicious liver kick. Your boy Iwan. Fought to a draw against Dustin Jacoby. Uh, Sean Strickland continues to win. Marab Devalishvili continues to win as well. So overall, some uh, some highlights here and there. Um, a bit of a slow one at times, but everyone was glowing about Yuri Prochaska on Saturday. So then we transition over to this weekend. And this is a weird one, DC, because <laughs> this to me, as far as like non-pay-per-view fights, was maybe my most anticipated non-pay-per-view main event thus far tj versus Corey. i'm about to say something i want to say oh. you know i have no idea who's fighting this weekend <laughs> <laughs> well it ain't I happening like, i was like it, i was like uh, i really don't know who's fighting okay wait you know what you know it's not happening wait a minute it's dillashaw i thought i worked this fight card Nah, work this it was supposed to be dillashaw versus Corey sanhagen tj yeah. dillashaw versus Corey sanhagen but I would hope that you saw six or so days ago that Dillashaw cracked open his head and the yeah, fight is bad. now postponed. Unfortunately, this is where it gets a little funky. So the front runner, what I reported that night after the news came out that he was officially out of the fight because he was trying to stay on, but it's just not going to work. It's a, it's a pretty gnarly cut. He posted it on his social media. The front runner to replace it was slash is Michelle Watterson versus Marina Rodriguez, um, but even on the broadcast on Saturday, they didn't acknowledge that fight. Watterson and Marina have already acknowledged that there's the main event this weekend. They weren't even on the card. They're a new fight. They also have Jeff Neal versus Neil Magny. But as of right now, it's kind of like all up in the air as to what the main event is in five days. Really? Watterson and company, they're going to Vegas. So I don't, maybe they switch it and they put that as the co-main. But what I was told was they signed on to fight a five-round main event fight on May 8th. So who else would fight? Five in the rounds. Ma- oh, maybe not five rounds, but maybe you just bump up Jeff Neal and uh, Neil Magny. Neil Magny, that's a great fight. I, I got to be honest, man. Like, you know, when you start to sit at home and enjoy like life, you forget that you have to work. So I think I got to start <laughs> working on my, I got to start getting my research ready for this weekend because I am working. You are working? I'm working this weekend. Wait, you thought... Up until a minute ago, you thought you were working the TJ Dillashaw Corey Sanhagen card, or did you know didn't that, know that when they were fighting? Like, yeah. just had no idea when they were fighting. Like, uh, I would get an email that's telling me that there's fighting meetings coming up in a couple of days. So, um, I'm yeah, sad. I'm working, I'm working the Watterson versus uh, Marina? Marina fight. Yeah, Marina. Well, I have to say, I'm very sad. I was really looking forward to that. That fight. was the one, right? Because you're, um, hey, Corey hey, Sanhagen's a future tell champion. Him, tell him. Corey tell Sanhagen's him. a future champion. I have put my reputation on the line with that yes, one. Yes, you have. Yes, you have. I um, don't say that about a lot of people, by the way. But so it sounds like they're going to try to rebook that fight for July or June. June seems a little soon, to be honest. I mean, it's already May 3rd. Maybe they put that on the uh, the June 12th card, which we found out on Saturday. It's going to happen in Glendale, Arizona, site of the final WC card. By the way, weirdly enough, site of the first Izzy Vittori fight. The first Izzy Vittori fight happened in Glendale, and the second is happening in Glendale. Like, what are the chances of that? I remember that fight. You know, I actually, I, I was my first... Uh... I think it might have been one of my first. No, no. I commentated in Portland first time. Hmm. But I, I commentated Izzy Vittori. And boy, Vittori was on me for years about my commentary. Told me that I was favoring Edisonia. I'm shocked. Wow, I'm shocked. Vittori was mad about something you said about him? Let me tell you something. Shocked. Regardless of if I am, like, saying something, I don't the, I don't judge the fights. Like, so, Marvin, the judges thought you lost. Not me. There were a ton of people in there. Like, they didn't hear me. We weren't in the empty apex. So, yeah, like, it was a close fight, and he did well. I'm glad that he's getting a rematch. So, but, yeah, back to Glendale. That'll be that'll be fun. So, this weekend, all up in the air, we were supposed to get uh, TJ versus Corey. We hope to one, get it. Man. Man. Uh, by the way, not the only fight we lost on that card. We were also supposed to get Donald Cerrone versus Diego Sanchez. Oh, man. And Bruh. so let, let's talk about Bruh, this for a second. What is happening? Diego Sanchez, uh, unfortunately, no longer Bruh, what is happening? a member of the UFC roster. The first Ultimate Fighter winner, because remember, he won earlier in the night, and then it was Bonner Griffin. 
has lasted all this time. One of the most unique characters in the history of this game. And uh, it's like we've seen him grow up. Yeah. We saw the phases, right? The nightmare to the guy the when dream. he dreams. Yes. 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 yes Daniel Bryan yes. owes him. Was that? Daniel Bryan owes him. Uh, he got the yes yeah, thing from him. he started the whole yes thing, right? Yes, 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 yes. And then even from that to what I still consider one of the most veteran moves in all of mixed martial arts history. I'm down in Jacksonville. No, no, no. We're Albuquerque. Hmm. Rio. What is it called? Rio Rancho? Rio Rancho. Rancho. Yeah. I'm in Rio Rancho. Guy lands in the legal blow on Diego. Bang! Diego's on a win streak. Mm-hmm. Diego looks at the official. Losing, mind you, losing, and they go. If 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 I can't continue, do I win the fight? <laughs> I mean, do I win the fight? <laughs> the guy goes, can't continue, Diego. You know, okay, I I can't do this. Yeah, boom! He went up there, and Diego got his hand raised. He stuck his chest out, and listen, I was so complimentary. That's a veteran move by Diego Sanchez, and now it's all over. And I don't so, understand what's happening. Well, so, okay. So here's my thing, DC. How do we handle this? There is something very weird going on here. I think everyone can admit that. Um, I, I, I got to be honest with you. We talk about like World Press Freedom Day. I don't even know if I want to say his coach's name because this guy, That's the last time wants. I, well, the That's last time wants. I had him on my show, no joke, no cap, 30 straight text messages afterwards. And let me tell you, bizarre freaking text messages, threatening text messages. To you? Text, yes, to me. What? And I'm like, I don't want questions. This guy is, I mean, look, have you seen him? So, I've so seen, how, I've met him. I, they, I, they, they, attack, they attack me. What happened? Attack, so tell us. So how are we going to handle this? How are we going to handle this? Are we, are we going to say who we're talking about? I mean, I feel like I it's mean, our. I think, I think it goes without the, the name, right? Like, so when you Let's get just say like, this man's name is Joshua Fabia. Yeah, he has taken it. Diego under his wing. He's from the school of self-awareness. And ever since. I mean, but have you ever met anybody that's less self-aware? I mean, it's have just, you ever it, in your life met somebody that's less self-aware. How about putting out these videos thinking that it makes them look good in the it fighter meetings? Worse. It makes them look a thousand times worse. <laughs> but what are you thinking, guys? What is My going on? Goes, what <laughs> the <laughs> are you talking about? It felt it goes. Oh, they looked amazing like, in that. But that's the thing, right? Like you're in this fighter meeting. And this is Paul Felder. Paul Felder's a fighter. He's not just a broadcaster. You can't attack him in that way. He's going to say something to you. And then like Felder's like offended. Like, yo, get out. What are you doing? Like, what are you? We're here to talk to Diego. But that's the problem. That's the problem. The guy starts to become so important. He wants to be such a massive part of what's going on that he just, he imparts himself in, in ways that he should not be involved so even the it listen hunter campbell handled that about as good as anyone i've ever seen in my life handle a situation like this because you can tell what they're you can tell what the guy's doing you can tell what he's doing it's almost mm-hmm. like they were trying to build a a lawsuit or something against the ufc with the with the with the line of questioning that they were going down but this guy and you could tell when it's this guy and not Diego Ariel. The whole thing is him. After, bro, after the Diego's fight. Diego's like off to the side. After the fight, Diego's like mess- direct messaging me on Instagram. And I'm like, this isn't Diego, right? Mm-hmm. It's not him. Because Diego's always been a sweetheart. Mm-hmm. I don't know what he did to get. Listen, man. From the yes to all the other things that Diego was. And I like the guy. He was always a gentleman. But Diego was always very... Uh, you could you could uh, guide him, and when the wrong person gets a hold of a person that has that kind of fo- followers mentality, or is a little bit not as strong willed here, they can really take you down the path. And I feel like that's exactly what's happening with Diego right now. And this guy's a bad guy, man. I'm telling you, the dude is is not. He is not caring about Diego and Diego's best interests because it's just so apparent. And I don't even understand what he's doing. Like from the weird, from him just cornering Diego alone at one point, then now Stefan Bonner's there, um, him and Stefan together, to the way that Diego was fighting with the karate style and like trying to block everything. And then after the fight, that real Rancho fight, they talked to me about all the times that Michelle missed him. Right. I'm like, but Diego, you're still losing the fight. I actually had a I had an I was arguing with 
I don't believe it was Diego, Josh oh, on, on Instagram DM? Messenger about the way that the fight went down. It's the, crazy. The, it's very sad. And, and I want to focus on Diego for a second because Diego's a legend. He's a Hall of Famer. His career should not, at least in the UFC, should not have ended this way. No. Um, one of the great characters in our sport. And he should have been able to, to end on, on good terms. And it's sad to see one of the, uh, you know, the pioneers of this sport kind of ruin the relationship that he had with the UFC because you know Dana admires him and you know that Dana would try his best to treat him well on the way out. I believe that in my heart. And this guy, Joshua Fabia, is trying to use Diego's stature. He found a guy that would let him into his world. And you see him, you know, barge into these meetings. You see him go after the broadcast team. You see him going after media members just to, you know, make his situation better, just to get his name out there, just to fix his own reputation. I don't like this. It's, it's a really disturbing turn of events the likes of which we have rarely seen in this sport. And I really feel for Diego. And I know that Josh is going to get mad at me. And I know he's going to say this is the media and whatnot. We are just going off, Josh, what you put out there. And we are all very self-aware of this situation and of ourselves. No one would behave this way. No one does behave this way. Let me just say one last thing. When you're a top fighter, DC, you have a coach. The best coaches are the ones like Trevor Whitman who want nothing to yep. do with the limelight, who want to be off to the side. Bob Cook, like Bob yes. Cook. Like you don't you never hear Bob this Cook. guy. You never hear, I don't even know Bob's voice, what it sounds like. Yeah. This guy wants to come in and start berating people and tell me, like, get out of here with that nonsense. It's it is crazy, very bro. sad to see. It is very, it breaks well, my heart to like, see this. I get this thing from Diego a while back. I said, hey, you understand I'm a supporter. You're one of my favorite people in the UFC. Call the fights as I see him. I don't know that you're doing a breathing technique, Diego, is when he's doing this, like, blowing the bubbles. I said, so I saw you blowing bubbles. I call the fight as I see it. I thought you made the right decision by not continuing. Come on, Diego. And then the message was like, watch the fight in slow motion and get back to me. You never asked my corner or anything. I was like, I didn't speak to your corner in the meeting because I didn't have anything to ask him. We talked to the fighters. But this is not Diego I was talking to. No. And, I mean, this went on for... I mean, message after message, like just long. I'm telling you the same thing. I had the same experience. The last time he was on my show was two years ago. And there was a day and I said, can you please stop? Can you please? It just boom, 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 boom. And then at the end, it just got weird. I think it's universal from Dana saying it to the way Sean and Hunter. Love that Sean called him with Hunter on the phone, right? To And then they did the right thing. Hey, if a guy says that he's not capable or or able to compete, we're going to pull you right now. Like, we're going to pull you. They still paid Diego. Mm. Diego still got paid. Yeah. Right? This is one of those instances. Remember last year when Bellator paid all those guys their show bonuses because the fight got canceled and everybody went crazy. Mm -hmm. This is one of those instances that happens all the time in the UFC. They paid Diego win and show as he was on his way out the door. Because imagine, dude, don't get that last payday. Because there's no guarantee he was going to beat Cowboy Cerrone. But instead, you pay him his money. You wish him luck. Only because they care about Diego. Dana has a soft spot for Diego. But this Josh Fabia, man, he's a bad guy. And you I just don't see know. his intentions. You see his vibe. His like the they're so that clear he's out there is it is clear that he's not trying to do what's in the best interest of no. his athlete. And he's a he's a selfish person, man. And Diego needs to you hope that at some point he wakes up, right? Because this guy is going to guide him into the next thing that elevates his platform, right? That gives him a platform to to spew the nonsense that he spews. So don't be surprised if you don't see Diego in bare knuckle fighting or something, uh, just so that this guy still has a way to try and um, keep himself relevant. It's it's unfortunate. I know part of him wants this, us talking about him, and in his mind, us, quote unquote, you know, talking bad about him. The truth is, anyone involved in this sport, fan, media, fighter, I think, loves and respects Diego Sanchez. This has nothing to do with him. And I think all of us are disturbed that this guy is guiding him in this way and representing him in this way. So I just want to say, I wish the best for Diego. We all have had great experiences with him. He's truly one of a kind. And I hope that he sees the light at some point and recognizes that this man isn't looking out for his best interest. He's looking out for his own best interest. He's trying to raise that self-awareness school thing that he's got going on. So, but I mean, obviously the guy must have a lot of charisma the guy must have an ability to talk and draw people in because now Stefan is following him too. So it's like, you know, he, 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 it's almost like these targets, right? The targets of the people that can be influenced. And it seems like he's doing that. So. Okay. So from one bit of a weird story to another, uh, we did get some sort of uh, conclusion to donation gate 
between Conor McGregor and mm-hmm. Dustin Poirier. But in the end, uh, Conor throws a curveball and donates the previously agreed upon $500,000 to a quote-unquote charity, a boys and girls club in Lafayette, but one that was not affiliated with Dustin's Good Fight Foundation. Now, Dustin, I spoke to last week, had nothing bad to say. He said, at the end of the day, as he put it, charity wins. I don't care if it goes to me or someone else. Clearly, he had plans with that money. He was going to open a gym and all this stuff. How do you feel about the way this all ended between the two of them? Clearly now, the good vibes are no more. It makes me happy, right? Because ultimately, those kids get that money. Mm-hmm. And people don't understand how much that's going to mean to those kids down in Lafayette. They need all the help they can get, man. And those boys and girls clubs, I grew up in them. I grew up in those, right? Arcadia? And in Acadiana. Acadiana. Yeah. Um, that's just our parish, Acadiana Parish, which is the, you know, Lafayette's a city within that parish. But um, we would sit behind each other waiting to play foosball. You remember foosball? Mm-hmm. The, the spin the little soccer men? We would wait in line to play because we only had one foosball table or a pool table. or So they can do so many more things with that money. They can buy computers. And so I, I get it. I get why Connor did it in the way that he did too. Listen, man, to want an itemized idea of where that money's going when you're giving it to a foundation like that, that's not out of question. It's a massive amount of money to give away. So if you want to know where that money's going, that's not wrong by Connor. Mm. Um, but ultimately the kids win. And I like it because now if you're playing mental warfare, now that town that holds Dustin up high, I saw it in the newspaper in my hometown. There's kids out in the parking lot with signs that say, thank you, Connor. Wow. Right? So all those kids that idolize Dustin Poirier, and they'll probably root for Dustin still in the fight. They will. But now they're maybe not what was done to them by Conor McGregor. It's crazy. Maybe not. Maybe. Here's the reality of it. Call a spade a spade, right? Dustin can't give 500 grand to a charity because he doesn't have the money that McGregor has. So that'll probably be the single biggest donation that these kids have ever received. Look, there, there, there was a, a, a chance that, you know, this, this was trending in the direction of, you know, no donation, right? Uh, I, I don't like the way you've handled it, blah, blah, blah. So in the end, I have no problem with it. He said he was going to donate to a charity in Lafayette. He donated to a charity in Lafayette. In the end, it wasn't to the original charity, but hey, he put his money where his mouth is. All this says, I mean, at the end of the day, here we are talking about a summer camp in Lafayette, Louisiana. This has raised the interest in it's not the a summer fight. camp. It's an actual boys club. Boys no, but I think it's gonna. Like I, I think it's gonna go to their summer camp initiative, so that kids can go to summer camp this this oh, summer. That, that's gonna do so much more than that. Five hundred grand in Lafayette goes a really long way. Well, there you go. So good on him, and I think everyone's now looking forward to seeing the the pre-fight press conference. The oh, way they're not gonna be holding. <laughs> they're not gonna be holding each other's whiskey and hot sauce anymore. Right. It's gonna be good. All right, July 10th in Las Vegas. Now, we have to talk about something else that's been brewing over the past few days. The heavyweight division, D.C., is hot and heavy right now because we know that there's a situation with Francis Ngannou, who's the new champion, who, by the way, went home to Cameroon. I mean, this is straight out of, I don't know, a movie. I don't know what movie, but it's just like those scenes. Did you see those scenes? The guy's got a freaking parade, and it seemed like the whole country was there. It was unbelievable. His mom is there. You hit the nail on the head. You said before. Like winning a, ch- a title in the UFC didn't even get a caption in the newspaper a lot of times. Now, people are really taking notice. That just shows you how big the sport has gotten. It's a beautiful thing, and it's well-deserved. And so I spoke to Derek Lewis last week, and he said, oh, I'm in. I'm in. You know, I agreed to June 12th. He couldn't do it, but, you know, I'm expecting it later this summer. Then we find out John Jones has parted ways with first-round management, Malki Kawa, Abe Kawa. And now, if you notice on social media, Jones talking a lot more like he's got the fight. Now, let me make something very clear here. The, the status of the Jones and Ganu fight, or lack thereof, has nothing to do with first-round management. A lot of people don't know this, but John Jones and Malki Kawa haven't talked for at least three or so years, if not more. They just kind of went their separate ways. As a result, John was working with Abraham Kawa, but it was more on the sort of marketing side, sponsorship side. Abe was not negotiating on his behalf. Jones was doing that negotiation. 
So now, is there a possibility that Jones is like, all right, I need to get new management as a result of that. I need to, you know, part ways with these guys. It seemed like it was inevitable. And so is he going to maybe pick another manager, maybe a manager who's in good standing with the UFC, and perhaps that will help revive the fight? That remains to be seen. How do you feel like this plays out? Do you, you know, and, and a lot of people brought up Derek Lewis is a first-round management guy, and he's fully entrenched there. So that made things potentially a little awkward. But again, first round had nothing to do with that. He needed a clean break. I'm just curious if Jones now signs with a new manager, mm-hmm. helps get the deal done, and that means... Derek Lewis is on the outside looking in and we actually get to see the Jones and Ganu fight next. You know what's crazy about that whole thing? I saw Ali Abdelaziz the other day talking about Jones. Hmm. This, I don't know if this happened right after Jones left first round, but Habib, who is the most loyal guy in the world, when that first was brought up, they asked me. Like, Habib's like, Ali wants to talk to you about something, right? And Ali asked me about that, like, what if I work with Jones with it offend you? I don't care, right? I don't even think about it like that. Why would it offend you? Because you know him and I's rival like rivalry and how much we don't. But you're not represented by him. I I know, but that's just how that's how be man. The dude's right. the most loyal friend that you'll ever find in your entire life, and if somebody's on the outside of mine, he ain't messing with it. You know what I'm saying? So like, that's uh that's him in a nutshell. And but um. I see people saying that maybe it's going to be Ali that represents Jones and Ali has done a good job of making deals with the UFC. Um, With that being said, it'll ultimately be up to Jones to decide whether or not he wants to fight this dude because the fight's his, right? It's going to be a big number, but how big of a number does it need to be for Jones to step inside the octagon? Listen, Ariel, John Jones deserves his money. The dude has done tremendous things in the sport. But is John Jones going to have a number so large that it's unrealistic? That's the question. Because I know that they're going to pay him. They said, show me. They said, when John Jones said, show me the money. I'm trying to really like maneuver my conversations, right? Because I have internal conversations. Mm -hmm. It's like, no, no, spill the tea, DC. Let's go. I'm here all day. It's almost like John Jones says, show me the money, Mm -hmm. right? We're going to show John Jones the money. So it's going to be ultimately if he wants to fight. I want to know where this 30 million came from because they keep saying 30 million. And then John keeps saying, I never said 30 million. So where did this number come from? This number that we said 30, Dana? Dana keeps saying he asked for 30. John keeps saying he never asked for 30. So I think there needs so to be an in between, right? The number somewhere in the middle. The there number needs- lies somewhere in the middle. You know right. that. 15? It, the, probably. The number lies somewhere in the middle. If one's saying 30, one's saying I didn't Does say Does he 30. deserve 15? I think so. That fight does big numbers. It does. It does big it's numbers. massive. Does over a million does, pay-per-view buys. I think he does deserve a large number. This is, this is I pain. don't believe if Conor McGregor is, and I don't know what Conor makes, makes but I've heard, I heard Conor makes like $15 million or something. More. Just, no, to show up oh, and okay. then he gets all the pay-per-view, right? Like if Conor makes 15 to show up, Jones shouldn't make what Conor McGregor makes. Who knows? I mean, we don't know the number. If Conor sure. McGregor makes something in that range, Jones shouldn't make what Conor McGregor makes. It should be a tier beneath that. Does John Jones make what Habib makes? If Habib makes eight to 10, yes. Mm. But I don't believe he should make what Conor McGregor makes. I do believe that Conor McGregor, there should be a difference in the pay scale because of what he has meant to the company. Um, But in the eight to 10 range, I think that works. And I'm not, and I'm telling you, I believe with 100% certainty, they would give him $10 million to show up and fight Francis Ngannou. You think so? I believe that. Mm -hmm. I do believe that. 15 to 20, like Connor, I don't believe that. But 10, the thing. absolutely. If you're a fan of Jones, if you're a fan of seeing this fight happen. And that's, a, and that's him getting his money. Sure. Because he's never made $10 million before to show. He said he makes five, right? He said Something he makes like that, five. But again, yeah. So if he makes five, then you're doubling what he makes to go and fight Francis. No, here's the problem. Here's mm-hmm. the problem. And this is not me like, here's the, God, this is so hard. Why because is it hard? Of our history, because mm. of our history, I hear you. I hear it always you. comes off like I'm trying to doubt and, right. and, and bad mouth this guy when I'm not. I hear you. Here's the issue with 
Jones is you're never certain what's going to come after. And that's the pro- therein lies the problem. What do you mean? Because what if something, what if something happens after? What if he, what, and this is why it's so hard. We fought on a number of occasions and every time something happened after, what if something happens after now you got a vacant heavyweight championship and you paid this guy all this money. That's the problem. And it's hard for me to say that because of our history, but it's like UFC 214, him and I, he beat me, take your belt, take your money, go home. But instead there's an issue. Now what you understand? You're going to just put the belt back on France. It's like, there's just so you many have to believe. Issues. Look, here's the facts. Nothing's happened to him. Of that sort in a year. But it has, has though. But it yeah. has even before the Gustafson fight. It was happening. That's why the fight was moved. Oh, I'm talking about no, no. in a year, in a year, I said, in yeah, a year. Know, so we're on a streak like, of a year now yes. where he, he had that thing at the beginning of the pandemic, at the very, very beginning, if you recall, caught on yes. camera in this. But since then, it has been He's better been behavior. Doing good. And you hope at, that at least it publicly. continues down that path. But I don't but think I'm that should be a deterrent for making this fight. No, it, I'm, I'm just saying, though, it just it I get makes it, it worrisome. I get because it. Because again, you're built. Remember when they remember before they were like, "I'm never main evented with John Jones again." Ah, uh, that was a long time but ago. I'm, they main evented a gazillion times since then. But, but this is what. But this is what I'm saying. It makes it scary as an organization. By the way, they also said that about Amanda Nunes. I believe. I believe. Listen to me right mm. now. Daniel Cormier believes that John Jones should get his money. John Jones should get the fight. John Jones deserves the right to get whatever he decides to get, and I'm happy that John Jones has not had those issues in the last year. Make myself as clear as I can be. I am in support of this fight happening. What I'm saying is you cannot just ignore that things have happened in the past when you're, I'll give you 30 million. Cause my, my, the biggest issue was always, it was just about time. Mm. It was just every time something happened like that, he just lost some time. He was so young. Time didn't really matter. Now it's like, let's, go and do this thing the right way, Jones, if you're going to become the heavyweight champion in the world, beating a Francis Ngannou. I just wanted to add, and that's all very well said, that if you are a fan of Jones, if you are a fan of seeing this fight happen, you should root for him signing with new management because he was doing this on his own. And it's tough for someone to negotiate on their own. It's good to have that in between. And let's be honest, if he does sign with an Ali, that's probably good news for you if you're a Jones fan because Ali has that relationship with the UFC and he's going to be able to make that deal with them, it would appear, given his history. And so I'm really curious to see what he ends up doing um, from a business standpoint because if he decides to go solo, uh, we're probably not going to get that fight anytime soon. If he decides to go with a good manager who has a history of doing good business and deals with the UFC, could be a sign of better things to come. But that's the thing about Jones, though, right? And that's what you got to respect. He understands that he's valuable. So him being a by himself is not that bad because he's not going to. It just gets personal, right? When you're negotiating on your behalf, it gets personal. Less than what he thinks he deserves, which is the right approach, right? He, he knows his value. The guy's yeah. won. Oh, 100%. By the way, I th- I, I, I'm the first. I say give him 30 million. I don't care. Give him. He, the guy deserves it. He, he do it. Yes. Do it. Do it for value. back pay. Me? Me? Yeah. If I had to negotiate a contract with the UFC individually, not good. Because I want to please people. I want to make right. sure that the relationships stay intact. Jones doesn't care about that because he puts his value above all, which is okay. So yeah, he can get a manager, make it happen. If not, I think he'll be, I think he'll make it happen if he wants to make the fight. If you want, it's his. But Derek Lewis will be the fight if not. And guess what? It's a tough fight for Francis. Oh, it's a very tough fight. It'll be way better than the first fight. It'll be intriguing. Under any other circumstance, by the way, if Jones was still the light heavyweight champion, this would be a phenomenal fight, a highly anticipated fight. Here's all that I ask of this situation and everyone involved in the situation. Can we make a good faith effort to make this fight happen? Because what it seems like to me now is phone call, text, phone call, blah, blah, blah. We don't talk for two weeks. Why can't we get on a plane, sit in a room, and try to make this happen? The same way, you know, uh, when when a big free agent is about to either resign or leave a team or go to a new whatever, like good faith, let's do this the right way. This fight is too special. It's too good. It's too big. It's too historic to just go like ah, you know, you threw out a number eight months ago. We're not interested. We're moving on to the next guy. Good faith effort. Make this fight. At least try to make the fight happen as as a proper negotiation. Sit down face to face. Have a freaking plexiglass in front of you if you're worried about it. Like, can we just do this the right way? Like actual, you know, professionals do. That's all I ask. That's what I want to see happen. Listen, if you're smart, and I, I, I want to see the fight too, 
But if I'm smart, if I'm Jones, and I'm not, like I said weeks ago, he's not afraid of Francis. But if I'm smart and I'm Jones, do you see what plays out between those two? Because Jones beat me twice. I beat Derek. Like, hey, man, maybe I Derek beats this dude again, and I go beat Derek, become the heavyweight champ of the world. I know, so, but I mean, the clock is ticking. You know, there's, it's been there's, a year and a half. There's some, there's some, again, time is not that important to him because he's so young. How old is Jones? Uh, he's, still, he's still under 35. Is he 31? Is he 32? No, no, he's definitely 32. I'll tell you right now. He's Dario, I started fighting at 31. I know, but he's taking like a lot of damage. Of he's taking he's damage. He's 33. He's turning 30 34 in July. Yeah, Jones has time, right? So, like, yeah, this is... This is the most intriguing, interesting situation that we have in no, mixed martial arts right now because there are so many different factors at play. I love well, it. I love being on the outside of these types of things now. Well, speaking of a guy, by the way, before we say goodbye, who is still very young but feels like he's been fighting forever. I mean, he was fighting when he was a teenager. Hey, shout out to Roy McDonald. Got a big win in his PFL debut. Looked fantastic. And, yes, I know Curtis Millinder isn't on the level of the guys, but, Levels. hey. Get, yeah, get the win, get your confidence back. PFL is putting on a nice presentation. Um, I, I really I like think those guys do. have done well. I thought Randy's done well. I think Florian's. It feels Kenny's, good to see Kenny. Oh, uh, so good. Back in that seat, man. He's doing really good. I'm happy for Ken Flo because he's such a smart analyst, man. He's a yeah. great commentator. And, um, you know, I think that the time away from this thing has made him realize, like, how much he loves doing it. And he seems so yeah ready every time he's on o'connell does a great job as well as a former yes. fighter turned play-by-play guy very very hard to do look i've always been a fan of more options competition different places for fighters great to see one have those four shows on wednesday nights uh, unfortunately eddie alvarez losing again so that was kind of a bummer to to see happen what a crazy fight that was but uh i like what pfl is doing they got kayla harrison this yep, week, uh, Fabrizio Verdum. So, again, an opportunity for another veteran to uh, to get back on track, so to speak. you got Clarissa Shields coming up. So this is all very good stuff. And uh, speaking of uh, competition, unfortunately, we're not getting you all Romero this Friday. We were supposed to get that fight against Rumble Johnson, the fight that we put together. Yeah. What happened there, though? Like, what happened? Like, Yo, why well, is you out? Like, that's the problem when guys get older like that. They'll start to fail physicals at times if commissions are being honest. Like, one time I had... I don't know who it was that got cleared to fight. And I was like, how in the world did this dude? It was Chuck Liddell. How did Chuck get cleared oh, yeah. to fight? Like, well, this is a bit oh. different. But this I understand. Yeah. How does anyone get cleared to fight whenever it seems like they're just not there in terms of everything? When I turned 40, I took so many more tests in order to get to a fight. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. It's good so, whenever people are doing it the right way. And they obviously were checking you all to make sure that he's, he's, he's in a place where he can compete at the highest level. So what I was told was he failed his, uh, his medicals eye issue. Weirdly enough, and I can't, having been able to confirm which eye it was, and most people won't tell you, but if you go back to Izzy's win over him in the post-fight press conference, Izzy was talking about some concern that Izzy had about Yoel's eye, that he said his eye was concerning. And so now this has come up again. So hopefully he'll be able to fight. They said uh, they're hoping in one to two months. Um, Rumble is fighting this weekend against an alternate, but you know I mean, maybe what we'll happened see that there? Fight. Like, so he's not fighting Rumble then. because if no. Rumble beats this guy and moves forward in the tournament, now Yoel's just kind of out of the tournament. But, Reminiscent of the Strike yep. Force heavyweight. I'm about to say, being out of a tournament doesn't mean you can't come back in that piece. <laughs> <laughs> crazy, crazy. All right, crazy. well DC, we got to say Wait, goodbye. Yes, my boy Tyron Woodley. Give oh. Wood shout out, man. T. Yeah. Wood back Listen. on the TV the other day. That, that was, was good to see, right? Talking about Kenny Florian being back, yeah. uh, doing a good job. But Tyron, being back at the desk, I think Tyron is a natural in that fantastic. position. He did fantastic this weekend. He's in the upper echelon of analysts. He had not done one since September of 2019. Way too long. But I, I was I was singing his praises all weekend, so I didn't want to go over the top. I didn't want to make you or anyone jealous. Yeah, you're not but that guy, right? No, I'm telling you, he, he did a fantastic Tyron's the man. Job. He, he, he is, I don't know what his fight career looks like, but I believe that he has a long career in broadcasting if he chooses to do it. I was going to say, and I echo everything you just said, I don't know which main event we're going to be talking about next Monday. In fact, in the middle of the show, I just, I just got word that, yeah. Okay. Now it's starting to make sense why they didn't talk about the, the Watterson Rodriguez fight. I like it. This is all happening as we speak. So I don't know what's going to happen. 
Um, we'll talk about something. I know that. So what did you just get word of? You can't do that. Well, I can't. I, I mean, it's still developing. Me. I, 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 I no, mean, I can't you do that. Ask me. You grab your coffee and say, "DC spill the tea." Yeah, that's right. Oh, come on. What you got word? What? Tell me. You can't say I got word. You could have just not said anything. So you got word what? Because guess what? I'm working this weekend. Help me out. Back next week, same oh. time and place. Until then, we say peace. We're out of here. <laughs>